0: We're going to open the word of the Lord today and uh, going to turn to Acts chapter 3, we're preaching through the book of Acts and um, we'll see how long this goes, how long the Lord leads me to do this, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 today. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 2 and specifically about the idea and the fact that the supernatural is for everyone. And... Uh, Josh, if you would make sure everything's working over there, if you would. Uh, The supernatural is for everyone, and specifically two things that we looked at last week is that the supernatural salvation experience is for everyone, and a supernatural ministry is for everyone. Today, we're going to see that in action in Acts chapter 3. So, Acts chapter 3, verse 1 Says this Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. From them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him now i have preached this message before and not every message that i preach here have i is brand new most of them are but this one i've actually preached here but as i would i was looking at this going and preaching through the book of acts i felt like i needed to preach it again and then when i looked at the attendance from the service that i preached i was like Hey, nobody's nobody's even going to be here today who was there. And if they happened to be here, they wouldn't remember it. I barely remembered that I would preached it. But today I want to preach this. You are a revival waiting to happen. You are a revival waiting to happen. God bless you. You may be seated today. Have you ever been around people that were parties waiting to happen, that everywhere they go, Parties just happen to break out and that people are, if if there's nothing happening and they show up, a party will break out. Anybody, Anybody know people like that? They just walk into the room and they exude this charisma and this excitement and they just pump it up wherever they go. And then there are other people that they can be the exact opposite of that, that everywhere they go, they bring doom and gloom and depression. Those are not exactly the kind of people that I like to hang out with. I'd much rather hang out with those who are parties, and, and then there are people that everywhere they go, something bad is going to happen. They're going to break something. They're going to tear up something. I might have been that way as a, as a kid. I was much more like a bull in a china shop, and in fact, I, I vaguely remember when I was three or so, we were down in uh, northern Mexico. We would went to see the Grand Canyon, then I think crossed over into Mexico, and um, it, it didn't go too well in the pottery shop that we were in. In fact, now I, I was only three and my parents were keeping hold of me pretty good, but one of the guys that was with us, as they were walking around, the parents were walking around, the kids were going somewhere else, all of a sudden they heard pottery falling and breaking and my dad tells me that his dad just pulled out the, out the wall and starts like, all right, how much do I owe? Because everywhere he went, something bad was going to happen, something was going to get destroyed and, I've got a friend of mine, he's actually a financial planner in St. Louis, does really well at financial planning, smart guy, but just crazy and goofy. And he can't go anywhere without just stirring up something. If he walks by you in church, he's gonna pull your ear, he's gonna hit you in the head, he's gonna do something. He's always gonna get your attention. And one of his favorite lines for people he doesn't know if he's at the cashier at the gas, at the, the grocery store or whatever he'll just look at him and say man on a scale of 1 to 10 you're an a plus <laughs> it's like what? but he just he just likes to have a good time and there are people that are like that and that everywhere they go there's something about them that's different and so they they bring that attitude and they bring that enthusiasm or they bring that excitement to the situation and wherever they go and the bible tells us that the old testament prophets were similar to that, except that everywhere they went, miracles were sure to follow. That an Old Testament prophet couldn't just show up and, and nothing happened, but when you read the stories in the Bible, it's that when a prophet is around, a miracle was soon to follow. In fact, the Bible tells us of Elisha and the floating axe head, that when he's at this particular camp, they're building a, building a new area a new school of the prophets and they borrowed an axe because not everybody had axes they couldn't go down to the local hardware store they couldn't run out to on sunday morning and go to home depot and get an axe and so they are borrowing an axe and in the middle of chopping the wood for the project that they're working on the axe head falls off of the handle and just as you would imagine it doesn't just fall on the ground but it flies into the river can't see it it's the river I mean how are you going to find an axe head at the bottom of the river and so Elisha when confronted with this situation he just takes a stick tosses the stick out into the river and just like the stick would float the axe head now floats to the top of the water because miracles were sure to follow and Elisha died having seen 13 such miracles in his life. Elijah, his predecessor, had seen seven miracles in his life. And the Bible says that Elisha had asked for a double portion of what Elijah had. But he died at 13 miracles. Now, I don't know that God is really into keeping numbers that way, and that's the way that he counts a double portion But Elisha is dead. He's in his grave, which is really more like a cave. And the Israelites are in the middle of a battle, and they've got a guy who dies in battle. He dies from his wounds, and they throw him in the cave. And it just happens to be the cave where the bones of Elisha are. And the Bible says that when his dead body touched the dead bones of Elisha, that he came back to life. Why? Because wherever a prophet is, including his dead bones, miracles were abound, are about to happen. And I would tell you that where apostles and other believers are and were in the New Testament, miracles were sure to happen. In fact, Jesus would say this in his great commission as recorded in the end of the book of Mark, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out demons, they shall shall speak with new tongues. That that miracles were going to take place, it should follow believers. So what I would tell you today is that miracles should follow you. They shouldn't be just here at church, they shouldn't be at some revival service, they shouldn't be at some, some great event, but miracles should follow you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a person filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, miracles should follow. The context of our passage today is this. It, It is just after the day of Pentecost, which we read about last week. That day of Pentecost, that was the beginning of the revival in Jerusalem. The beginning of God outpouring His Spirit. And it is an early part of church history It's not too long. The Bible doesn't tell us how long from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 3 that we are. But I would imagine it's not very long, and Peter and John have decided to go to the temple. Now, understand that there are numerous gates that entered into the temple complex, and one of them was the beautiful gate. And it is where our text picks up. And so from our text, I want to bring out Five things for you today. The first is this, is that the miraculous can occur in the midst of routine. The miraculous can occur in the midst of routine. You see it on the screen. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Three o'clock in the, in the afternoon, it's the hour of prayer at the temple. They had numerous times gone to the temple. It's what they did. It's when people gathered together to pray that they would then go to the temple. This is not unusual. This is not out of the ordinary. It's just what they did. And in the midst of their routine, a miracle occurred. I would tell you that it's a, a truth that miracles don't occur just here at church. I've probably told you of, of other miracles that happen in the midst of routine. God healed me of athlete's foot at the post office in Lee Summit. Kind of crazy. But I'm at the post office. In fact, not just at the post office, I'm working at the post office, and I'm out in front of the post office at 6 o'clock in the morning putting the flag up, which was part of my job. And in the middle of doing that with, with the same thing that I did every day and being all of a sudden bombarded with this itching foot that would not stop because somebody that was staying at the house where I was had athlete's foot. That I knelt down by that flagpole and just put my hand on my foot and I said, In the name of Jesus, athlete's foot go away. And immediately it went away. In the midst of routine. God shows up if we put our faith and our trust in Him. He will just show up. Miraculous does require preparation, though. It doesn't just happen because you just show up somewhere and go, well, I just think I want God to do a miracle today. No, you have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You have to be dedicated to Jesus Christ. When, When the disciples of Jesus were confronted with a a young man who is demon-possessed, and they couldn't cast out the demons when, when Jesus and Peter and James and John come off the Mount of Transfiguration. It's the Mount of Transfiguration because Jesus is transfigured before them, and they see his glory. I'll preach about that at some other time, but when he comes off the mountain, his disciples have been trying to cast out a demon. And They can't do it, and they're frustrated by it, and Jesus just takes care of it. And they're like, why couldn't we do that? And his answer was, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. It's not enough just to, in the moment, I think I'll pray right now, or in the moment, I think I'll try to get close to God. No, you have to live with him. You have to walk with him. And then when that moment comes in the middle of your routine, then miracles can occur. There is preparation that takes place. The miraculous, number two, requires recognition of an opportunity. This man, he is lame from his mother's womb. He's been carried there and laid daily at the gate. He sees Peter and John and he asks them for money. He's asking for alms. And what I would tell you is that this is not the first time that man has been at the gate. And this is not the first time that Peter and John have walked through that gate at the hour of prayer. It is not the first time that they have seen this man. But every other time when they've walked through the gate and he's asked alms, more than likely they just ignored him. They just went on by him. But this day was different. This day... They've been filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And Jesus had said these, uh, that when you receive uh, the Holy Spirit, that you will receive power to be a witness, power to do signs and miracles and wonders. And now they see this man who's lame and he's asking money and they go, we don't have any money, what are we going to do? And they recognize God can do something. God can move in this situation god can show up in this situation and sure enough god shows up and they had to understand the difference between temporal and eternal needs if i needed money and wasn't saved my focus would probably be on money If I didn't know who Jesus was, my focus wouldn't be on my eternal destiny. My focus would be on money. But Peter and John looked beyond the temporal and said he, he doesn't just need money. What he really needs is an encounter with Jesus that will change his life. That if he encounters Jesus, he won't need to be asking for money. He doesn't need the money that we don't have, but he needs an encounter with Jesus Christ and then money will take care of itself recognizing that he needed healing instead of an offering, and recognizing there was an opportunity for God to show up and for God to do something. I have many times, in fact, I have a a prayer that I pray daily. It's actually five parts to this prayer. It's specifically about evangelism. Daily, I, I pray God Help me to have a heart for the lost. I don't want to just love the people who come here. I want to love everybody I run into that's lost. And I pray, Lord, help me to see people like you see them. Because when I look at people, sometimes I can see their need, but other times I, I, can, I look at them and I'm going, they, they don't. Look like they need God. Now, I know everybody needs God, but they don't look like they want God, or they look like they've got it all together, or they look like they they ain't coming anywhere near God. But I don't want to look through my natural eyes. I want to see people as He sees them, as people who need Him and who are probably hungry for the gospel if somebody would just share it with them. And I pray, Lord, every day give me an opportunity and wisdom and boldness to share the gospel with somebody. Lord, give me wisdom and boldness and opportunity to pray for a lost or hurting person. Then even, Lord, help me to get a Bible study with somebody today. Not just an encounter, but an opportunity to build relationship and teach them the Word of God. And when we are going through our routine, we need to be aware of opportunity. Most of us, if you've been around church for any length of time, you pray for opportunities to minister to people or opportunities to share the gospel. You do what I just said that I do. But a lot of times we're looking for that handwriting on the wall or we're looking for them to come up and tell us about Jesus instead of us recognizing the opportunity that is before us. What I would tell you is that when you see the opportunity, you need to act on it, and you need to pray at the moment. This is a mantra you've probably heard me say if you've been around here any length of time. Don't just put somebody on your prayer list. Pray right then. Don't just tell them you'll pray for them. Do it now. I told you of two or three weeks ago of meeting a lady in Winstead's down at the plaza who wanted prayer for her upcoming delivery of the twins that she was carrying. And I was like, yeah, we'll do that, but why don't we pray for you now? And she had an encounter with Jesus, and when we were finished, she said, are you Pentecostal? Because she recognized there was something different about what she felt, and there was something different about the prayer that we prayed. And her grandfather had been a Pentecostal preacher for 70 years she knew a little bit about it and i could tell you that in the midst of routine i was going to teach a bible study to a lady and she had a a halfway house is kind of if, if you understand that terminology these were people that had just got out of prison or just got out of rehab or and so they lived at her her house she had a number of different properties and I was going in to teach a Bible study to her and one of her residents was getting ready to go to court to testify in a murder trial. She didn't want to testify. She had seen this murder happen. She didn't want to have to do it. There were other people there and she didn't want to testify. She was all upset. I said, well, let's just pray right now. I'd never met her before. I I mean, I just walked in and we prayed. And the next day when I went back to finish the Bible study, I saw her again. She said, the other people showed up, and I didn't have to testify. This prayer works. I didn't just put it on my prayer list, but let's pray in the moment. Same day, another resident out of work because of an injured back. And I didn't pray right at that moment like I should have. And I finished up that first day of Bible study. and I said, I want to go pray for this guy. He was li- living across the street in an apartment there that she owned, and I went over. I didn't feel. I didn't feel anything. There was no goosebumps. There's no a- angelic presence. There's no halo. I just said, I'd, "I'd like to pray for you." Saw him again the next day, back totally well. Because miracles should follow believers. That everywhere we go, miracles should follow. The third thing is this, the miraculous typically requires faith. That they took this man by the hand. But before they did that, Peter and John had to have faith that God was able. Now understand that Peter and John had been with Jesus They had seen him feed the 5,000. They'd seen him feed the 4,000. They'd seen him calm the storm. They'd seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They knew that he was able. And what I would tell you is that many people believe God can do the miraculous, but they don't believe God will do the miraculous. That they believe he has all power and he has the ability, but... He doesn't care enough in this situation. He doesn't care enough about me or my problems, so he won't really show up. So they knew that he was able, but not only did they believe he was able, but they had to have faith to believe that he actually would show up. Had faith to believe that whenever they spoke the name of Jesus, that healing was going to come, and faith to speak with authority, not just say, well, I I hope Jesus shows up, or maybe Jesus would show up, but they actually spoke with authority and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Faith that whenever Peter would pull on that man's hand, that God was going to heal him right at that moment. I've been in services before, and, I, and I've, I've been raised around Pentecost on seen, my life. I've seen miracles. Not enough, but I've seen a lot. And when you get in services where people get real excited and and the preacher's been preaching God can do anything and you just have faith and he'll do whatever you need and there's somebody sitting there in a wheelchair. That's like, all right, this is going to get real now. Is he going to do it or is he not going to do it? And a lot of times, people have faith for anything but some big miracle like that. Except young people. If you preach to them that God can do miracles, He can do anything, they're ready to go pull them out of the wheelchair. You said it. God's Word says it. I believe it. But for us, Adults, it's like, I don't don't know, let's let's let God do something before we try to get this person out of this wheelchair. If they stand up on their own, then we'll know. But Peter, he doesn't do that. He takes him by the hand. And immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. And what I would tell you is that the man who's lame, he's expecting money. They don't give him money, but they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He has to allow himself to be pulled to his feet. I mean, if I don't want to stand up and I'm laying on the ground, you're going to have a hard time pulling me up. Not just because of my 230 pounds, but if if you're resisting, it's not just pick you up. At the moment... Peter's hand touches his. He has faith to believe. And whether he feels it in his ankles and feet, I don't know. But he has faith to believe that whatever is being done, it's going to work and the miraculous is going to take place. And immediately he gets up and leaps and praises God. And I would tell you that in almost every case, faith is a requirement to see God do the miraculous. If you don't believe he'll do it, he probably won't. If you don't believe that he can, he probably won't. He may show up and surprise you. He may do something out of the ordinary, but it takes faith most of the time to see God do the miraculous. And what I would tell you is this, God can do anything. Mariella, God can heal Sandra of cancer. God can do anything. The question is, whether or not you can believe he will. Fourth, let me hurry. The miraculous can lead to revival. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate. Of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They've seen this man. Everybody had seen this man. Now he who was lame is now leaping and running and jumping and praising God. But it doesn't stop. With just him leaping and running and jumping and praising God. Because as we get into Acts chapter 4, it tells us that this miracle of his healing led to over 5,000 people being saved. It was one miracle that led to a great revival. As people who saw that this man who had been lame for years and years, they've seen him at the temple. Sitting or laying at the gate, and now he's healed, and they find out that it is at the name of Jesus that he's healed. I think I want to know who this Jesus is. I think I want to have an experience and an encounter with this Jesus. The book of Acts has a blueprint for revival, it has a blueprint to see God expand his kingdom and expand the church, and that is this you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You tell people about Jesus, but then after that, signs and wonders and miracles happen, and then people are converted. If I could tell you, I'm getting ready to leave St. Louis to come to Olathe to Plant Cross Church. It's not, as I, I thought about my abilities and my giftings, and I mean, we're in a warehouse today. Kind of cool if you like this sort of thing. But the masses don't want to come to a warehouse. that what's going to draw people is not because we have some great facility. What's going to draw people is not that I'm some great speaker. What's going to draw people is not that I'm some great worship leader. I'm looking for one. If you know of one, let me know. But What's going to draw people? is the presence and power of Jesus. What's going to draw people is when they can experience him and they can feel him. A person who's a member of our church, not here today, out of town, but had not been at church for a long time due to work and working on Sundays and In fact, you heard Belkie's testimony back on December 26th, if you were here. On December 12th, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and her response, this is what I've been looking for. After she quit her job, she checked out some other churches, have a lot more bells and whistles and a lot more people and a lot more... Programs going on, but she didn't feel and experience what she was looking for. It's not because I was preaching so good, but it's because the presence and power of God came into her life filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is the miraculous and miracles that often will set that up that when people hear about miracles, well, let's go check that out. I want to see that. I want to experience that. A friend of my parents, he's now retired. He was a pastor for a number of years, but 1973, he was a hippie, long beard, long hair. think the week before this particular event, he had just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at this church where I was raised in Denham Springs, Louisiana, and he had a, his second daughter, Nicole was crippled, she was born with deformed legs and they were the doctors were told the parents that she'd probably never walk normal and she had braces on her legs to try to keep them straight so they didn't bend back up. And if you've ever seen that thing, the muscles just contract and they they do their own thing and it's not controlled by the child. And so she's one at the time. And the week or so after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's back at church and the preacher. The pastor preached that Jesus is a healer. That Jesus can heal whatever your problem is. And The story goes, my dad was there on the platform that, that Malcolm Myers, at the conclusion of that service, carried his little one-year-old girl up to the pulpit. Stood in front of the pulpit and said, Preacher, you believe what you just preached. The pastor tells what he told the story was, it's like, I guess I better believe what I just preached. They laid hands on that little one year old girl in this building, which would seat about 500 people at the time, with only about 30. Or so people in there. I think it was 27 people that day. Less than we're here today. They prayed for that little girl. And my dad said you could hear the bones pop all over the sanctuary as God brought healing and straightened up her legs. February of 2018, I was at his church in Louisiana preaching and his daughter who had been healed, she still still healed standing there leading worship and playing the piano, God is a miracle worker. God wants to do the miraculous, but the reason I tell you that story is not just because it's a great miracle, but from that single event in the next year or so, 200 people came into the church because they heard about that miracle. The family says, I want to see about the God who can do that, and they brought their extended family, and they brought their friends, and some 200 people came to know Jesus Christ because of one miracle what i would tell you and what i'm preaching to you today is that the miraculous stands out in a world of competing ideas and i can tell you what the bible says and i can lay it all out for you and i can give you all the logic and i can explain it well but at the end of the day It's the Spirit of God and the presence and power of God that's going to change a person's heart and mind. It's the Spirit and presence and power of God that's going to cause somebody to believe in Him. And As I wrap up, understand this, that revival, number five, could be waiting on you. Peter and John were the catalyst for revival, but it's not just them. It's also the man that's in need. So what I would tell you is this. Whether it is you who are praying or you who are in need of prayer, that God wants to do the miraculous. And when He does, people are going to come into His kingdom. People are going to come to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him. Revival could be waiting on you. I quoted part of it earlier. Mark 16, 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will Recover. what i would tell you is that any and every believer qualifies if you've been filled with the holy spirit you qualify to see god do the miraculous it's not just because of who you are but the power is in the spirit in the name of jesus then it could also be not that you're the one doing the praying but you're the one in need of prayer it's me oh Lord standing in the need of prayer an old hymn sometimes it's just me who's in the need of prayer. Sometimes it's you who needs God to work a miracle. Sometimes it's you who needs God to do something in you. And so whether you're on the receiving end or whether you're on the initiating end, revival could be waiting on you. Let's stand together. I've referenced it a couple of times, but in order for what I've preached to be true, you have to know Jesus and be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. We've talked about it many times, but Jesus said in John 3, unless a man is born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. He says it both ways. In one verse, you can't see it. another one, you can't enter. So if you want to see the miraculous in your life, you have to be born again and be filled with the Spirit. We do that through repentance, through baptism in the name of Jesus and through receiving the Holy Spirit evidence and speaking in other tongues. so thankful for all of you who are here today, but I would tell you that in this metropolitan area and even in Olathe, there are many more people that God wants to see saved. This is not by any means the extent of it, and that's not to say that There are not other churches preaching truth and and have people to save. I'm not saying that. But you could take all of those and add them together, and there's still a whole lot more that God wants to see saved. Jesus prayed what is termed his high priestly prayer in John 17. And he said, Father, I don't just pray for these that point speaking of the 12 disciples i don't just pray for these 12 but i pray for all of those who would be mine through their word that what he said is this that there's a lot more people that need to come into the kingdom there's a lot more people than just these 12 that i want to see saved and that will be saved and i and i'm praying For all of those who would be mine. And what I would tell you, there's a lot more people that would be his, but they're waiting on a miracle or they're waiting on a testimony. They're waiting on a witness. They're waiting on an encounter with Jesus that you can bring. I don't have to bring it. I don't have to pray. You can pray. I don't have to share the gospel. You can share the gospel. I don't have to teach the Bible study. You can teach the Bible study. Revival could be waiting on you. And when you run into people with needs, say, yeah, we'll have our church pray, but let me pray for you now. Because they may never come here, and God can heal them from afar. But how exciting would it be for you and for them if that moment, when you lay hands on them, God heals them. Acts 18. Paul is getting ready to leave Corinth, I believe. He's ready to go to a different place. He's ready to move on. He hasn't seen revival that he like he wanted to see. And he's getting ready to move. And God stops him and tells him this. I have much people. In this city, Jesus has much people in this city that want and need to experience salvation today. So, my call to action for you is this ensure your own salvation by experiencing the new birth, pray that signs and wonders but follow you as the Scripture says. Seek out opportunities to share the gospel. And fourthly, seek out opportunities for the miraculous. God wants to do the miraculous in you, and He wants to do it through you. Anybody believe that today? Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voices right now to the Lord? And would you talk to him? And would you, would you pray that signs and wonders would follow you as the scripture?